Welcome back, pool fans, to another great edition of American Billiard Radio. Today is August 21st, 2014. And, yep, we got another good show for you this week. We um, have a happy little announcement to share with you. Uh, coming up here pretty soon, I think, in the next couple of weeks or so, we will be joined by uh, Jay Wegener of Minneapolis, Minnesota, and he is introducing, uh, or going to be introducing, a new program uh, from American Billiard Radio. Uh, we already have, obviously, our regular show that you're listening to now, and on Tuesday nights, we will be having um, Pool Time Radio with uh, Daryl and Todd, and now we will have a third independent show coming out of Minneapolis with Jay and uh, his crew, so... Keep your eyes and your ears peeled for more details on that. Uh, it should be coming up here, like I said, in the next couple of weeks. Um, we're really looking forward to uh, working with Jay and uh, having him join us uh, in our lineup. So I hope you guys can uh, give him a pat on the back and uh, show him some love whenever he ca- he comes online with us. Uh, what else is going on? Well, today we're talking with uh, Skylar Woodward. We just caught up with him uh, driving up to Beloit. For the uh, next the next tournament that he's attending, he had snapped one off uh, the other day at uh, the Smoke and Aces tournament and went undefeated uh, in this nine ball event. Took home a nice cool twenty grand. So uh, we decided to talk to him about that and uh, get to know a little bit more about the guy. You know, he just kind of popped up here in the last couple of years whooping butt and taking names so uh we had to talk to him and see you know what's going on with that guy and uh what else we're also talking with uh mike actually howardson's talking with uh rachel lang uh she's got some good information to share with you allison uh talked with ralph eckert about his uh training app that he has just come out with really interesting piece of uh, uh of software there it's pretty cool you um you from what I'm, you know, reading about it so far. I have not tried this myself. Uh, you know, you get a set of drills and uh, you practice them, them, and then the app can feed back to you what it is that you need to work on and direct you to some other drills. But I won't go into it. I'll let him explain all of that. And of course, uh, we're also going to be joined by um, Mr. Royce Bunnell from OBQs and. Uh, of course, Rick Bryant with his Q Talk, Q Talk segment. So stick around for all that. It's a great show, and we will be right back after this. Welcome back to the Legends and Champions Report, brought to you by Neil's Garage Cabinets of Mesa, Arizona, and I am your host, Mark Cantrell. I'm joined this week by Mr. Bond, Dave Bond, uh, that most of you already know from his uh, segment on, on the American Billion Radio. And, you know, looking around the Internet, I try and uh, figure out who's coming up, who's doing well, who haven't I heard of before. And there's a young man out there that, unfortunately, I've never heard. I, I've, I've heard his name, but I, I never knew where he came from. And so we decided to look up the new hotshot in town, uh, the uh, 
Young Hope for American Pool, maybe, Skylar Wooded. So Skylar's on the phone with us. He's in the car, so hopefully we don't lose him. How you doing, Skylar? Everything okay? Doing good. How you doing? Good. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to just kind of start real, real quick with, and this is my investment, and it's nothing against you because I didn't hear about Shin Van Borning either until he, he was big time. But I, where did you come from? I, I spoke to Johnny Archer earlier, and I said, what do you know about this Sky Woodard kid? And he said, I don't know anything about him. He just popped up and just started playing really, really well. So <laughs> what, what, tell us about you. How did you start playing pool, and how old were you? Uh, I started when I was, like, 10. My dad got me into it. He just took me to the pool halls and stuff, and I just, I like, I played, but... Everybody says I just, like, I like knew how to hold it and stuff when I started, but my dad coached me and stuff, got me better all through life until, like, until I was, like, uh, I was old enough, and I just went out and played on my own, started traveling by myself and stuff. My dad went with me most of the time, but now I just, I go by myself. So you're 10 years old, and your dad... What, did he just brought you into the pool room, said, let's hit some balls, and and you yeah. realized that you just could make balls when you felt like it? Yeah, uh, just like, he he's always played, and like, he had league and stuff, and he would take me with him when I was young, and then, uh, I just, I'd play with everybody in the pool, like, like he could barely get me out of the pool room, I just, I love to play. <laughs> now, you're from Kentucky, okay. is that correct? Yeah. Okay. What part of Kentucky? Uh, Paducah, Kentucky. Okay. Okay. Now, how many? Let me ask you this: You're 21 years old, and all of a sudden, are, are, are people asking you for an autograph yet, or take a picture with you? <laughs> uh, yeah. Almost, almost everywhere I go, somebody asks me for an autograph or or a picture or something. Wow. <laughs> How, how did that feel? Did that feel weird to you when it first happened? Uh, it, feel, it feels weird, but uh, it feels good, too. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, tried to do, uh, you know, I, again, admittedly, I don't don't know a whole lot about you. And so I said, well, let me look on Facebook. Let me see uh, a little bit more about this young man. And I call you a young man. I'm not trying to be condescending I'm twice your age so. yeah he's an old man that's why he calls you <laughs> <laughs> um, and I see there's a picture of you I think while you're 13 or 14 years old uh, with uh, taking a picture with Shane Van Boning yeah uh, that was at a, a junior national event and so fast forward how many years? So you're, you're stood there, and, uh, and people can look and on your Facebook page and look at your pictures, and you can see, you're, I mean, you're short, and you got a, a goofy little grin on your face because you're saying, you know, you're getting your picture with Shane. <laughs> and so we, no, I mean, that's what happens. Johnny Archer did the same with Earl Strickland. He told me that because I was selling the same thing to him. He, and Johnny says, I got my picture when I was 14 with uh, Earl Strickland. He was my hero. <laughs> and now, and just like you, years later, fast forward in time, 
you got a goofy picture with Shane Van Boning, and, and now you just gone beat him twice for 20 Gs at the uh, Smoking Aces. Yeah. How feel with that? How does that feel? Oh, it uh, it, it felt great to win. I was uh, I've always looked up to Shane, and I don't know. It just it felt good to beat him and and uh, and win the tournament and stuff. Yeah. It always feels always feels good to win a tournament, twenty thousand dollar tournament at twenty one. That's not bad. Well, yeah, well, he was he went undefeated too. He undefeated for the whole thing. Oh, really? Yeah. So how how do you have to beat Shane twice then? Uh, Shane come through the loser side. Like we met in uh, the hot seat match. We met. I I won that, and then he had to play Warren Kiamko, and then he beat Warren, and then played me in the final. Okay. Yeah. But it. Actually, I, I don't know. You see, I'm trying to. I always have never had the same experience. Whereas, you know, if you're, let's say, you're a basketball fan and you got to meet Michael Jordan, and then all of a sudden you're in the NBA dunking over him. That's kind of the only way I can. Yeah. Other way I can, ex, you know, explain it. Yeah. I, I just don't know. Is, is there any any other way you can explain what that feeling is? When were you nervous to play him? Had you played him before? Uh, I played him out in uh, out in Reno in the bar table championships. Yeah, that's, uh, I think that's the only time I played him. I, uh, I played him in the nine ball out there in the eight ball, and then. Uh, but no, I don't really. I don't get nervous playing those guys. I just, I just try to play the best I can play and just, and hope for the best. You know. Hey, I watched him play. Uh, he played at Shane against. Uh, well, he played against Shane uh, in the nine ball. I watched that match. And I'm here to tell you that Shane only got him by two games. It was a race to nine, and it ended up being seven nine. It was it was tight there for a little while. So uh, I, I think this was bound to happen eventually. That that uh, he was finally going to pull ahead. Yeah. Well, you know, he's tough to. And, and, and when he gets, I think when he gets to a certain level, any any of these guys can beat. Anybody else on a on a given day, you know, that's just the way I see it. The, the, but yeah, the, what's surprising to me is Skyler came from I don't know, basically relative. You know, I mean, I didn't know who he was. I try to keep my head close to the ground. I'm sure that Skyler. I'm sure you were pretty well known in your area of Kentucky. But when when did you start? When when did you start making a name for yourself? What was the the first major event or tournament you played in that all of a sudden made you know sprung you into the limelight? You think? Um, I don't know what what got me like a lot of uh, recognition and stuff was like this year I won the I won the big time classic in Houston, mm. and then I, I won the Banks Ring Game at Derby, mm. and. Uh, that's, that's, well, that got me a lot of recognition. Yeah, this year is like, yeah, this I mean, year you were cashing in last year. Right, right. weren't uh, you playing um, for Big Truck? Um, weren't you in like one of those fights night series that he did? Oh yeah, just like back in June, a couple yeah. months ago. Right, right. 
That was the first time I paid any attention to it. I'm like, okay, here's this guy cat. Apparently, he's got some money, more money than sense, or he's got some serious nuts to be going up some of these guys. So, uh, I I've got a hand, pat you on the back, man. That's not easy to do. Go out there putting uh, the big money on the line like that. Oh, thanks. <laughs> do, do you uh, where, where do you see yourself going? Is this going to be? Uh, a hobby is this going to be your full time job? What do you What do you hope to be? It's one of those old questions that they ask you in job interviews, I suppose. Where Where do you think you'll be in five years? Um, in five years, to uh, hope hope to be the best in the world, but like uh, I'm trying to like kind of get invest into something too. That way, I have money coming other than than pool. You know, because pool is not on uh it's not like golf or anything when one tournament you like set but maybe one day pool be be big again or something mm-hmm. well you told me that I, I spoke with you briefly earlier and I asked you about the Moscone Cup and you said yeah you really haven't followed it that much over the years except for this year you, but you knew about the Moscone Cup right yeah I knew about it I just I never really uh Paying attention to it or, or watch it or anything until uh, like this year. I think you might be one of those guys who just kind of go about your business and just play really well and don't realize maybe how well you play. <laughs> well, I have a question for <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, maybe. Did you ever get involved in uh, any of the juniors uh, uh, competitions before? The the junior like the junior national the junior event yeah yeah had you done that before you started playing uh, the bigger matches uh, yeah I played in the junior nationals like I played in like four or five years and then uh, like I played in the super billiards junior event when I was like sixteen or something okay. but that's about that's about all the junior events I played in okay have you had any sponsorship offers do I, do I have any sponsors. Did, did you have you had any have you got any sponsors or have you had any offers recently? Because he seems like right now you're pretty hot. Everybody's kind of talking about you. Yeah. No, I got I got sponsors. Um, Pat Davini cues. He, he gives me uh, gives me cues and stuff to play with, and then uh, Kamui. They uh, give me tips and stuff. And okay, cool. That's. Uh, Awesome. Well, if you keep up the good work, I'm I'm sure they'll uh, they'll be getting a hold of you. <laughs> yeah. Well, is there is there uh, so? Do you think one day you'd like to be on the Moscone Cup team? Now, after you've seen, I, now you're paying interest to it. Would you want to be on the Moscone Cup team? Oh uh, yeah, I'd actually I'd, I'd love to be on the Moscone Cup. I think it'd be a lot of fun and uh, and maybe uh, try to help USA. You know, get the the trophy back or a title or whatever. Well, that that brings up another good question: Is uh, do you feel like nine ball is your game of choice, or do you like to play all of them, or a different game? Uh, I like shoot. I, I grew up like uh, in my garage. All I played was nine ball. Okay. And then, uh, like when I was out, like at a pool room around where I live. 
everybody plays eight ball where I live. So, I, like, I grew up playing eight ball and nine ball. I really like eight ball, mm-hmm. and then uh, and I really like nine ball. I've never, I've never really, uh, really played ten ball until like this last year, and uh, and I've never, I don't ever play, I don't play banks really or one pocket, but I'm trying, to, I'm trying to learn how to play one pocket. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Oh, didn't you say that you won the Banks ring game? Yeah, I won the Banks ring game at the Derby City. Well, okay, so you don't really play Banks. Am I mishearing this? You said no, you don't play I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't play it or, or practice Banks or nothing. But, but like, if uh, I play when there's like a tournament or something, but but I bank good, and uh, I know not to. You don't want to leave them like a a dead ball or a, a real easy bank, so I kind of know like how to move and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. so I don't fell out. Cool. <laughs> okay, you, you, you're really you kind of, I don't know, you're confusing me a little bit. I you think know, he's I, just I being, I, I he's being uh, modest, he's being maybe modest. Maybe it's not because, you, you, I think you just got this maybe a natural ability and you don't realize it. <laughs> because, and, uh, I don't, or you're taking it for granted because, you don't play banks, you don't practice banks, but you play it in a tournament, and you won the Derby City banks wing game. Yeah. That's, not, yeah, that's not a hang, but that's like a, a freaking world championship almost. <laughs> you don't have a yeah. bunch of bangers like me and Dave playing in the ring game. No. The banks ring game. So for you but to win that, it's a big accomplishment, and you're acting like, you, well, well, I don't, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh... Dude, I, I like playing banks. Stuff. I wish there was more bank tournaments. You know, I just don't. I don't like practice banks. Like, you know, some people like they they really love the the bank, so they'll just like they'll practice like just banking balls. I've never really sat there and, and just practiced banking balls. I just I just like I practice like playing nine ball. I've, I've always practiced nine ball. I've never practiced like any other game, but like but nine ball. That's it. You know, Dave. He's another one of those. He's like. Darren Appleton and Earl Strickland okay. and some of, some of those other guys yeah. who, if there's a cue and balls involved on a table, yeah, they just can't. They just can't can do it. Yeah, but they they say they say that the best bankers come from Kentucky. So you know, like it, I guess it just runs in runs in my blood or something that I bank good. What they say. Well, that could be. You've got Nick Varner. Kentucky right? and Chicago. And back, is he Kentucky? Yeah, he's in Kentucky and and uh, Buddy Hall. Well, he he was like around the Kentucky lawn, but might as well be Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. I was I had not heard that, but that makes a lot of sense. That's pretty funny. All right, we go. We got to do so. We got to do some research and find out <laughs> other great bank players. And if it comes out that there's a high percentage from Kentucky, because I know there's good bank players all over the place, but the, the ones that we really know of, or, or me personally, anyways, uh, Nick, and you're right, Buddy Hall, and John Brumbeck, and obviously now yourself. Mm, must be something in the water yeah. down there. <laughs> yeah, there's an element. He's, he's probably a luck. He's all that chicken. <laughs> It's all the chicken. <laughs> it's the fried chicken, man. That does it. 
Oh, that's funny. Well, Freddie the Beard would have something. To, he would argue with you about that best from Kentucky thing there. I can tell you that much. So, right. Well, Truman <laughs> Truman's from Kentucky, I think, ain't he? Mm-hmm. Who? Truman Hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he's from Kentucky. Mm, wow. He's building a case here against us. You guys don't play straight pool down there at all? Uh no, I've never seen anybody play straight pool around where I live. Okay, yeah, I, w- I was in. I grew up in Texas. They it was mostly eight ball and straight pool. They didn't play a lot of nine ball, uh, at least not at that point in time anyway. So I know that uh, at least certain areas in the South uh, that eight ball is pretty popular, at least as uh, as sort of the common ground for a lot of people. Is there somebody in particular now that you've beaten Shane? It, I mean, not now that you've beaten Shane, but Despite the fact that you've beat Shane, is there another uh, so-called big-time pro that you'd like to get your hands on? Uh, no, not really. Hmm. Okay. All right. I'm just gonna, you know, give you a chance to to wolf a little bit at somebody, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know. I don't wolf a lot of people, really. Uh, I don't really play it. How's my one pocket game? Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't really play it. I just like really started playing it like this past year. Like I've, I've uh, like sat down and watched people play, try to learn. You know, I've came a long way. I'm getting a lot better. I actually recently I just got second in a one pocket tournament. It's two times in a row I've done that. See, there he goes again, second man. One pocket tournament. There he goes again. He doesn't. He doesn't play it, but he can sure win it. <laughs> Yeah, well, he's, you know, I'm paying a little bit more attention to Sky here. And I'll tell you why. I must have been 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more. People started talking about this kid from uh, South, South Dakota, North Dakota, called Shane Van Bonnie. And he was winning these tournaments. And every time I went around the country, somebody was saying something about Oh, that Shane Van Boning, that Shane Van Boning. I was like, yeah, yeah. I remember I was in Austin, I think it was Austin, Texas. And I said, you know, there's always a flash in the pan, you know. I mean, just because he's playing well now don't mean he's going to be playing well in two years from now. You know, he can disappear just as fast as mm-hmm. many others have. Yeah. Well, i just show you how much I know, right? <laughs> so I'm not going to make the same mistake again. I'm gonna I'm gonna pay attention now. Have you ever where, played? Where you at? Oh, sorry, go ahead. What? I was just gonna ask where uh, where Skyler was heading. Uh, I'm headed to uh, Beloit, Wisconsin, for a uh, a Kimball tournament they're having. Mm, okay. Where at? Beloit, Wisconsin. Yeah. What 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 what's the tournament? What pool room is there? A pool room? Oh. The Karam room? Yeah. Okay. What's the, what is, what's the deal with that thing? Is it added money, or what's the added uh, money? It's, it's 7000 added, $100 entry fee. Uh, it's like limited to 96 players. Okay. Get and down. It's filled up. Yeah, they have Ooh, a lot of good know, tournaments it, there. Is any is anybody else going that you know of? Like you know, any of the other pros going that you know of? Uh, yeah, Shane Van Boning going, Corey Dole, 
uh, Warren Kiamko, Jesse Bowman, um, I think Dennis Hatch and Stevie Moore. Um, uh, I don't. There's a lot of people going. I don't. I guess Justin Bergman's on the list. Hmm. Uh, Shane Winters and Danny Smith. A lot of real good players, like. Yeah, I don't like, know. It's funny. It's, you know, it's a tournament in Wisconsin that, you know, I, I really didn't know what was going on either. I guess I'm just doing form these days. Uh, and you've got, you know, you see, man, that's, that's not a hanger to, to, to win that. It's not like you can just walk in there and think you've got the nuts. <clears throat> no. no. That's but funny because it be a lot Wisconsin of the same people. Wisconsin is cool. I like Wisconsin for pool. It's, it's like a strange place. Um, we we did a, a, an, an event there, and we drove into this little town in Wisconsin to do an exhibition, and it looked like one of those places, a sci-fi movie, that had just taken everybody out of the town, and it sucked <laughs> them up into a spaceship, but it was this dog on the street. I always say the same thing, because we didn't see anything, and we went, oh, Lord, what? where are we? And... <laughs> The pool room was packed when we got there. It was snowing. We had to we had to park a quarter of a mile away from the pool room to get to the to the exhibition. <laughs> so they've got some. They've got a lot of pool support there in Wisconsin. So it's. Uh, I'm just surprised that everybody going up to Wisconsin. You know, all those the, the names that you mentioned. I mean, it's not it's not that easy to get there, really. Right out of the way. Speaking of, uh, you know, when you get done whooping butt up in uh, Wisconsin, you should stop in uh, Chicago on your way back down, and uh, I can hook you up with some action here at Red Shoes, man. <laughs> at Red Shoes, I've been there one time. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think it, it wasn't the last time I came up to Wisconsin, but the time before, I think we we uh, ended up making a trip to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the place to go for, uh, especially for nine ball, one pocket, or banks. Uh, there's definitely a little uh, a little group of action players that like to hang out there, so you can always get game there. The uh, yeah, I, I would. Uh, I wish I had known that so many of these good guys were going to be up there because the Beloit's actually not that far from us. I could actually get up there in just a few hours. But uh, maybe next time. Now, do you play a lot of action? Yeah, do, do, do you gamble a lot? Uh, not really. Just uh, every now and then, like I just played a match the other day. Uh, actually, in Papa Bluff the night before the tournament, but it was like set up. It was just it was like Ray Big Truck. He streamed it, and uh, it was a pretty big set for for like five thousand. Mm. And that's the one who gives Jesse Bowman. Now, where was that? Oh, no. I played Jesse Bowman back in June. I played okay, him up here. Was... Actually, I, I played him at the Caramon. Okay. So, wait, 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 what was the last one that you did then? That was... I played, uh, I played, uh, this guy, Ken Ball, on the bar table. Uh, that's two out of three sets, raised to 21 for 5,000. And, and that, yeah. big, that was Big Truck's fight night. Another one of those. Yeah. 
Oh, it wasn't it wasn't like a fight night, but but he just streamed it like a just an action match is what he called it. I don't know. Oh, okay. All right. Well, let, let me uh, ask you a couple of things here. Uh, I know I asked you about the most gory cup a little bit. Um, do you do you know a whole lot about what's going on now with the team, with the players, and who's potentially on the team? I know you said you were following uh, it this year. Uh, I'm I'm not following it like real good, but just a little bit like because I'm I'm buddies with me and Justin Bergman. We talk a lot. Actually, I talked to him earlier a couple of times, and he uh, so like me and him talk about the Moscone Cup and stuff uh, quite a bit. But I don't really, uh, I don't keep up with it. Like, like who's like more than likely going to be on the team or or anything. Just uh, hope the best for them and, and hope they uh, they win it back this year. Well, if I gave you the names. I'm setting you up here. I'm setting you up here, Sky. If I give you the names of the players, would you predict a team? Would I? Would you? Would you? Would you be willing to predict the team, the USA team? Because there's only five players and there's eight people, right? Yeah. You know what? I'm not even going to do that to you. That's tough. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that to you because no matter what you say, you're gonna be wrong, or you know, or you're gonna upset somebody. So, um, is, is there anything else you would like to ask, Dave? Oh, you know, um, can I get a grant? That's what I want to know. <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah, it'll be in the mail tomorrow. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> well. I guess you know. Our, I know that Mark already asked you this, but so you plan to continue to play professionally as as you can and stay in the pool world with us for a while here. Uh, yeah. Okay. Planning on it. Okay. Good. Very very good. You um, let's see. Well, you're 21. That means that we can buy you a beer the next time I see you. So uh, you got the first ones on me. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Scully's lying. He don't buy nobody a beer. He's cheap. <laughs> so, so he's saying that just so I can hang out with you, and make side bets with you, or something. You know, he's not. Hey, I just want his autograph. Have, he's not gonna buy. It. He's just, not buying you a beer. I just want his autograph, man. Come on now. All right. Well, I. You know what? I. I. I think that's just about it. Unless we have a, would you like to thank any sponsors or say hello to anybody while we got this guy? Uh, I just like to thank my sponsors, uh, at Divinity Cues and Kamui, and uh, oh, that's about it. Well, if anybody's looking to sponsor the and get hold of the next up and coming hot shot in pool. I think this might be the very young man that you're looking for. So I'm sure there's a way you can get hold of him on Facebook. And, uh, you know, Scala, I, I wish I wish you all the luck in the world, young man. I really do. You, you've hit the, the ground running, so to speak, and it seems like you've got a, a natural ability, a natural aptitude for Q-sports. And 
I am I'm pretty certain that in the next maybe two years you're gonna end up with a world championship or a US Open title and uh, probably add many more accolades to your resume. Um I, and I hope you just uh, stick with it and, 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 you know, not get too carried away. I'm, I know, I'm sounding like I'm talking to my kids now. I know, right? Just <laughs> keep, keep your head together. You know, don't ever take anything for granted in this game. And I'm sure you've already oh, got yeah. more war stories than I do. So uh, I just wish you the best of luck, my friend. All right, thank you. And that's, I, I think that's about it. Uh, I just wanted to learn a little bit more about, uh, you know, Scarlet Wooded. And, and I think we did. What do you, what do you think, Dad? Would you learn a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and of course, I think we're going to be seeing a little more of them here. And, uh, you know, I also, I'm going to insist that, that Skyler sends out some props to his dad for introducing him to the game, too, because I think that's super cool. That uh, that he did that for you, because obviously he did a good job pushing you in the right direction. Yeah. Well, it's, when you get somebody new on the on the on the pool stage like this, just it just the name just keeps coming up and up and up, you know, and. You know, it's good for everybody to learn a little bit, and that's part of what we did, you know, with the Moscone Cup team. With Justin Bergman and, uh, you know, some of the other guys there, so that people knew who they are, where they came from, and get to test a little bit of their personality out. And I, I imagine that Sky hasn't been involved in a whole lot of radio interviews and things like that to this point. And so, He's going to have to get used to doing this yeah. a whole bunch more in his life, I think. <laughs> and it's going to be fun to it's going to be fun to watch him uh, yeah. grow into you know maybe one day a Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yep. We'll, yeah, give, cool. we'll give you a call back when you get that when you get that world title. You going to be at the U.S. Open? Uh, yeah. I believe so. More than more than likely, I gotta I gotta pay my entry. I gotta I gotta get in now. Okay, cool. All right. Well, that's about all I have. So I'll talk to you cats later, Mark. Okay, Skyler. Thank you very much. And um, uh, thank you. That's it for the Legends and Champions report. Brought to you by Neil's Garage Cabinets of Mesa, Arizona. This is Mark Kentrell, Dave Bond, Skyler Woodard. Until next week, we will see you then.
Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Go Play Pool app featured room here on American Billiard Radio. This week I'm talking to the owner of Q's Billiards, Ali Alishi, down in San Marcos. How, how you doing, Ali? Good, good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So why don't you give us a little bit of a background on Q's Billiards and what's going on down there? Um, well, Q's Billiards is a new pool hall. We just opened on May 30th. It's uh, pretty popular. We've got 10 pool tables. Two snookers, foosball, um, music, or TVs. The game usually playing when it's supposed to. Um, it's a great vibe. Uh, we're located right between uh, Cal State and uh, Cal State San Marcos and Palmar College, so it's right in between everything. Um, besides that, it's all right. It's yeah, it sounds like you got a great location right there by by the school. That's great. Yeah, definitely. And it's ten dollars an hour too, so it's really competitive pricing within all of San Diego. Nice, nice. And uh, you mentioned you had ten tables. Yeah. Uh, what what are they? Uh, bar box or nine footers? Nine footers, professional size pool tables, um, and we have one snooker table or two snooker right. tables actually. Awesome. All right. So, uh, do you guys have any tournaments going on down there? Um. Well, we we just had uh, two tournaments happen. So that was last week, and then I think two weeks ago, and then we're hoping to get some more tournaments going on. Uh, we have a lot of league players that come by and just play pool. Uh, we have uh, discounts for league players. We have discounts for students. We have a, a lot of discounts. Awesome. Um, so you mentioned you had league players. Do you guys have any leagues going on in your room right now? Not yet. We're working on that, but uh, definitely in the future. Awesome. Anything else? Uh, you guys have any other games? or? Yeah, definitely. We have four TVs. Um, we had the FIFA World Cup playing when it was, uh, I think, uh, a month ago. Uh, we're going to have uh, basketball play, uh, games going on, football games, according to the season. So, uh, And then we got music popping throughout. Awesome. Sounds like uh, sounds like you're taking care of everybody. And uh, I know you guys <laughs> don't serve alcohol, which is, uh, which is, which is actually, you know, standard for... for it's, it's very family-oriented. It's very family-oriented. We're an alcohol-free zone, tobacco-free zone. So it's for all ages, so everybody can come by, you know, have their kids there. It's very safe. That's great. I like. I like to hear it when uh, when you can bring the kids in. Cause... Yeah, actually, we had a we had a couple the other day bring their infant uh, by, and they just <laughs> put them in the stroller and just kept them there and played some pool. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, a good good babysitter, huh? Oh. Definitely. <laughs> All right, Ollie. Is there anything else that uh, you want to let our listeners know about? Um, definitely visit. It's a great place, great vibe, great people. Come by, um, $10 an hour, and uh, you won't be disappointed. All right. Well, let, please let everybody know where you're located and, and how they can get in touch with you. Um, well, right now we're at 405 North Twin Oaks Valley Road, San Marcos, California, 92069. And uh, if you'd like to call us, give us a call at 760-666-1497. All right. Well. Why don't you uh, get down to San Marcos and go to Key Billiards and, and visit everybody down there and check out the new room. And uh, like I tell everyone, support your local pool room. We need, Definitely. We, need, uh, we need support for these guys so they can keep their doors open and, and keep the sport of pool alive. Definitely. All right, Ellie. Well, I appreciate you getting on the phone with me today and uh, telling everybody about Q's Billiards. And uh, I hope you guys join us next time. Make sure uh, you 
check out all of our past shows on American Billiard Radio. You can you can go on the Go Play Pool app. It's free to download, and we have all of our past shows on there and a link to American Billiard Radio. And you will also find a limited profile for Q's Billiards on there, so you can get information oh, that's from cool. them. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, so uh, thanks again for listening, everybody, and thank you again. I really appreciate you having me on the show. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody, and join us here again next time on American Billiard Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Pool on the Grind here on AmericanBilliardRadio.com. I'm your host, Allison Fisher of NYCGrind.com, and I am very pleased to welcome our guest this week, Ralph Eckert. How are you doing, Ralph? I'm doing fine, thank you. And um, it's a pleasure to be here and have a nice little talk with you. Thank you very much. Right now, we're at Amsterdam Billiards in New York City, and Ralph has been here visiting over the course of the last few weeks for the for the World Tournament of 14.1 at Steinway Billiards. You want to talk about your experience there at the tournament at all? Um, I finished just nine plays, so I was a little bit behind. My best uh, my best appearance was 2012 with the third place so far. Huh, yeah, it's always a tough tournament, isn't it? But I'm okay with the nine plays. How have you been enjoying New York so far? Oh, New York always has his bright side, right? It's a big apple, so there's certainly uh, certainly not a boring time when you're here in New York. I mean, <laughs> so many opportunities you can do. Yeah, there's there's uh, so much happening for pool here, and a lot of uh, excitement in general. So we've uh, it's been nice to have you here, and you've been a regular here at Amsterdam for the last few weeks. So um, why don't we talk a little bit about uh, your background and I know you're the head instructor uh, of, of Europe. You're this, um, talk a little bit about like, your role as, a, as an instructor. Uh, this, uh, this title, what I got is, uh, so this makes me the official head instructor for the EPBF, the European Pocket Billiard Federation. And this basically the job I have to do there is basically to, if there's a country like, uh, for example, Romania, Italy, or just to give other examples, uh, Bulgaria, or Slovenia, or Hungary, and if they don't have their own, let's say, um, instructor system, uh, then I will be sent to this country and give a course, instructor's course, and give the first stru structure to them so that they can start their own instructor's program. So it's, somebody needs me, they can call the EVBF and I, I can come. Does that keep you pretty busy regularly with traveling? In the beginning it was a little bit more busy, but now I was already in a lot of countries, so a lot of instructional programs already started in those countries. Now it's a little bit more silent, it's about maybe one appearance per year. 
and I understand that you have um, a big role coming up to instruct the national team for Singapore for the uh, Asian Games. That's right. This is a thing that uh, just recently came up. So I will be busy in January, February, March in Singapore to uh, coach the national team there. And they are aiming for gold medals at the Asian Games. That's right. Looking forward to that. I mean, January to March is not the wrong time, not the worst time to spend in Singapore, isn't it? And when... Uh when do the games start there? Uh, as far as my information goes, they will be in June, July in next year, 2015. And where, where are the games taking place? Mm, this information I, s I have to Google by myself <laughs> so <Okay>. far. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, that, that's all right. Um, well, that's, uh, that's definitely uh, going to be a big undertaking, I'm sure. And it's your first time going to Singapore? Um, yeah, it's the first time I'm in Singapore. Not the first time in Asia, of course. I did these national team instructions also before for Team Thailand in Bangkok. Also had a short visit. I mean, I did it for long years in Thailand. But also had a short visit in Hong Kong and Seoul. Uh, so. But Singapore is certainly a new experiment. Uh, looking forward to that. Are there any particular challenges that you find about teaching billiards? Challenges in teaching billiards? I mean, there are a lot of challenges, but the uh, main thing in the beginning was um, that when I teach somebody something in pool, then uh, I make myself also a little bit deeper aware of what I'm talking about. So. All the knowledge I got will get even a little, a little touch deeper about the topic I am going to teach because I have to make real serious um, thinking, uh, thinkings about that before I'm going to teach, you know. Mm -hmm. So I help basically also myself. So maybe it's a little bit egoistic here, but of course I always uh, try my best to get the best out of the student I have in front of me. And of course, it's always difficult for people to break the bad habits because I, I feel like people are usually resistant to changing their ways of thinking. Yeah, that's, a, that's absolutely correct. But a bad habit, you know, became a habit. You put a lot of work in to make it a bad habit. <laughs> so you can also do it uh, the other way. You put, you put a lot of work in and you can make... You can uh, create very positive, very creative, uh, good habits. And um, yeah, if it's about a physical habit, maybe a wrong movement or something, it's about 10,000 repeatings, and then you will create a new habit. And if it's about thoughts, because, because uh, negative thoughts can also be a habit, then uh, yeah, I don't know how many thoughts you have to do in the other direction, but certainly you can work on them as well. What do you think are some of the most important things, or I should say the most important thing, if you're trying to change uh, bad mental patterns, negative mental patterns? What would you say to someone who was uh, trying to reverse that? First of all, it's, it's a matter of what kind 
of uh, psychological or let's say what kind of situation he has these negative thoughts so we have to work out if it, it will, if it will come up in all possible situations or just in some certain situations mm -hmm. of course it's easier to handle it if there are only some certain situations where this happens right. but if it's in generally some negative thoughts then probably very hard to deal with that right I mean it's if it's very deep in your personality very hard to change it sure. and also if you're for example if you're a little bit older a little bit ex more experienced then the habit is very strong into you mm -hmm. it's very hard to change that um, I remember a study a psychological study which says if somebody really has built up his character you even with a lot of um, psychological help you will be able to turn around not more than 30 percent you know so there are borders but the younger you are of course you there are a lot of development possible what do you find to be uh, re very rewarding about teaching explain that uh, rewarding about teaching what on what do you, especially what do you think about here? I mean, uh, what kind of reward do you thinking about here? What what makes you happy? Like what's uh, what's uh, the most uh, the most enjoyable for you about teaching? If the students, if the student finally reach his goal, if he is if he's happy with the way of teaching, you know, it's not. That I'm setting the goals and I'm happy when I reach my goal or something like that. It's about what kind of goal does he has, and if he can achieve it, then this makes me happy, of course. And this goal don't has to be kind of a resulting goal, like winning a championship or so. It can be, but it don't naturally has to be. There are also so many other different goals, like when I go to this tournament, I will try to keep my inner pleasure about the game doesn't matter what kind of circumstances or what kind of opponents I have to play to. So those kind of goals are yeah, I like I like the most basically than just resulting goals. It's so easy to have a goal like winning a championship, winning a league or something like sure. that. Just uh, have an inner goal as well. I think that's a really nice thing to uh, to keep in mind because a lot of people get caught up in the external goals and the goals that everyone else sees, but a lot of the time the most rewarding goals can be when you overcome certain uh, certain negative patterns and you you do th even the little things the right way. I think that can eventually build to reaching those higher goals. Absolutely. My teacher, who was an older Chinese guy, always told me, for example, that I have to make a difference between having fun uh, first and having fun second class. So, for example, what is having fun first class? So, uh, let's start with having fun second class is, that's just the usual joking around, around the table, making some jokes and this and that. Nothing against that, but it's easy to get, sure. easy to achieve. But um, Having fun first class, he always told me, is when you, for example, you put a lot of hours, a lot of work in some specific detail of your game, and when in a, in a very important match this uh, detail will come up and you master it, then you really feel 
of uh, uh, class. Uh, then you really feel uh, pleasure the first class, mm -hmm. you know. And this obviously is harder to get, but that what I should be looking for, the teacher said to me. When did you first start working with that with that teacher? What was his name? His name was Tobias Kim, and he was the owner of the billiard hall, which opened in 1982 in, Mannheim, in Ludwigshafen, Germany. And I was walking in it maybe a week after its opening, and yeah, I was starting hmm, to be pretty active. Every day I was showing up and trying to put those little plastic balls in the pockets. And what 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 comes up later on was a few days after my appearances, some guy came to Mr. Kim and told him some people will never make it, like this young guy over there, and he was pointing at me. He won't he won't make it he won't make it anywhere in this <laughs> game because he just don't has any talent. <laughs> and Mr. Kim just replied, "Talent? What is talent?" I bet with you, with this kind of discipline and uh, effort the guy, sh the, the young boy shows, uh, I can make a top player out of him. And then they made a bet, and this bet was the reason that he put so much uh, attention to me and was giving me a lot of help to uh, bring the best out of me. He was telling me about this bet only like 10 years after, uh, but it's a funny story, uh, isn't it? Yeah, that's a very funny story. Um, did he ever win? The bet? Did he make good on the bet? Yeah, he made, he made pretty good on that bet. <laughs> wow. What was the atmosphere like in Germany for pool when you first started out? It is, it is, for me, it was real like, like heaven, you know? It's coming into this pool hall, which was one of the first ones in whole Germany back at that, this time. One of the nice, of course, therefore also the nicest one, in my opinion, anyway. And um, we had visitors from not only from the area, but out of whole Germany, and also a lot of American players too. So there were also a lot of American soldiers who played very good. They come by because there are not so many places at that time in Germany. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, a lot of good players from all over the world came over there and so I, it was a nice playground for me and nice experience and I had so many people to watch too. Uh, also big names showed up like Jay Swanson, Jimmy Reed, I also saw Mike Siegel and uh, yeah, so I can Toby, Toby Sweet I don't, and uh, even yeah, a lot a lot more. Tom Brown, for example, just to name a few. Who would you say were some of your early influences in terms of players that you admired or looked up to? There wasn't really a superhero, but a lot of little heroes. So I tried to pick up uh, from everybody a little bit. You know? I had also, I was getting also good. Uh, advices from Jimmy Reed and Grady Matthews. He was also there. And, uh, but the main, the main uh, character behind me was Mr. Kim, obviously. He teached me also so many things, not on the table, also things uh, away from the table. So I 
devices like how to keep my poker face and even to achieve the high art to keep my smile even if the things are going against me. So that's the book I wrote the latest in uh, like four years ago in German. It's called uh, Die Letzte Freiheit, which means the final freedom, reflections of a master student. Unfortunately, the um, translation didn't work out that good, so um, it won't come out in English that so fast. But uh, yeah, hopefully within the next year I can make a new translation and give it another try to bring it finally to bring a book, one of my five books, into English language available on the American market. Well, I would really be looking forward to that, and I'm sure a lot of other people will be as well. Uh, do you have any books that you foresee for the future? Mm, I have a lot of books in mind, but nothing really particular I would start to. I mean, I already started probably about 20 books, but it's about when do you finish it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so there's no hot project right now, okay. except except uh, the other thing, I mean this uh, new app. I have a new app out uh, together with some uh, friends of mine who financed this project and of course we needed also a company who developed the app in a technical advice but um, I, um, I was responsible for all the billiard drills and the whole system behind this app. And this app Probably your next question is Czech Billiard. So you can find a website also, czechbillard.com. The app itself is already available, but the uh, advertisement campaign didn't start yet. We made a silent start so to fix all the boxes, the little falls, you know. Sure. Now it's, it's pretty good now, so you can look out for that. And you can download it from iTunes or from any any app store. Yeah, it's available in iTunes and any any app store. So it's also for what you call the other phones from the like Android. The Android okay. phones. It's also available. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's uh, it's really exciting to hear, and I will definitely be downloading the app because there are a lot of things I know I want to work on and. It's a nice resource for people to be able to uh, use if they don't have someone on hand to work with them. And I understand that there are uh, video tutorials in the app. Uh, basically, the app is, uh, first of all, is based on, on tests. So you get tables, instructions, uh, and uh, some drills. And depending on the result of those drills uh, you're putting into the app, then you will receive uh, also training advices. Let's say it starts with a, with a 20 test, so-called quick 20 test. So this means how many out of 20 balls you're going to make. And this gives the opportunity to decide if you are good or not so good player. So, and then you will play the 50, not so good, or the 100 test, which means how many out of 100 can you score, or how many out of 50. And out from this uh, result, we will bring you into tests like uh, 150 tests, 300 or 450 tests. And they are like uh, beginners, intermediate and pro players. And 
and you can imagine with the 450 tests how many out of 450 possible balls can yeah. you get yeah it's uh, very intensive and very detailed and i need especially the more the better a player is the more details i need to uh, really give him a nice feedback where are his weaknesses and where are his strengths mm -hmm. and depending on the outcome of this test you will receive other drills on what to work on to make your development and also other advices and of course you will have access to a large um, large amount of video drills that give you explanations on all the different topics doesn't matter if it's a very uh, very detailed small detail or if it's about really a beginner how to posture how to uh, how to carry a cue and everything like that and and what is pretty good about the app too is every drill what you can find there you can find a video from some player who's playing exactly that drill in front of you. Well, it sounds like it's uh, going to be a really good resource for players of all levels. And I understand this is your last day here in New York. You're heading back to Germany tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow evening goes my flight back to Germany. That's right. Looking forward to that too. It's always nice to come back home. And already a lot of work is waiting for me there. There is a little TV show appearance planned. Also, I have to take care of the Southwest uh, Youth Billiard Squad of Germany. And uh, another trick show as well is coming up. And yeah, and next thing is Christmas, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Before we know it, it'll be here. <laughs> Well, I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us on this show, and we wish you all the best of luck with the app project and all of your new upcoming upcoming projects. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure, and maybe a big thanks also, not only to Amsterdam Billiards for hosting me uh, the last couple of days, also to my personal sponsors like QPod and AsaQ. Thank you. All right, thank you very much, Ralph, and thank you everyone for joining us this week. I'm Allison Fisher for Pool on the Grind here on AmericanBilliardRadio.com. Hi, I'm Scott Lee. And Randy G. And this is the One Minute Pool Instructor. This week, we're going to be discussing hangers. Now, oh, not airport hangers. No, though. no. This is the the object ball hanging in the pocket, which a, a beginner Easy shot. Ah, a beginner leaves that hanger out there uh, sometimes all the way to the end of the game, thinking that it's protecting uh, the pocket. Others, yeah. And then it'll take a hard shot and miss instead of taking the easy shot. But what we really want to talk about are uh, hangers can be disaster or success when it gets down to the end of the game. Isn't that true, Randy? Yeah, I remember 30 years ago, the very first thing Jerry Bryce had taught me after he worked on my stroke is how to shoot hangers. And it's been with me ever since. So that's 40 years that I've been teaching a process on how to shoot a hanger. One of the important things to understand is that the object ball is going to go in no matter where you hit it. Yeah, so it's, it's, how much of that object ball do you hit? What kind of spin, if any, do you have on the cue ball? 
And when is the timing sequence on when you should shoot a hanger and when not to? So you people listening to this program, listen to this. You can shoot a hanger at a quarter ball, a half ball, or a three-quarter ball hit. Even a nick. Uh, or a nick, which would be an eighth. Yeah. All right? Eighth ball hit. Your cue ball will always go to a different position on the, on the table. So hangers are speed and how full or how thin do you hit that. In pool school, in our, um, our finesse classes, we teach the four hangers and how to shoot the four hangers and that's your position, play from a hanger. But I actually mark them, hanger two, three, four, and five, so that they know where to put their cue ball on the very same shot. And there's a significant difference between shooting a hanger with a rolling cue ball versus a sliding cue ball. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and hitting it too hard. Sure. Hit too hard. A cue ball kills right off the rail. Oh, how many times have we seen people uh, shoot uh, a cue ball with overspin, yep. hit the hanger, and the cue ball doubles the rail and stays at the far end of the table when they wanted it to come all come the way back to the other end. So what do they do? They shoot it harder next time. <laughs> <laughs> so remember... Hangers, they're there. You have to uh, address them. Uh, there might be five or six different ways to shoot at them, but, but the one thing I like to do is I like to verify the hit on the hanger by either quarter ball, half ball, three quarter ball, or as Scott says, a nick. And your cue ball is always on the same path every time you do it, so now you can learn to play position. And the most important lesson I learned uh, from Jerry with hangers is never leave them for the last ball oh, of the no. game. If possible, get out of there when you can, because playing shape off a hanger is, oh, boy, you have to be a skilled pool player. <laughs> it's sure easy to make a mistake there. I'm Scott Lee. Randy G. And this has been the One Minute Pool Instructor. Uh, join us next week when we're going to be talking about Red light, green light. Yep, this is important. Red light, green light in your stroke. See you then. See you then. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of American Billiard Radio. I'm Mike Howerton. I have a special guest this week. This week I am joined by Rachel Lang. Rachel was the second place finisher at the recently completed Junior Nationals. Rachel, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Not bad, not bad. Um, you had a nice tournament there at the Junior Nationals. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I played in the 18 and under girls division in Louisville, Kentucky in the Junior Nationals. I finished second. I played four rounds, and I got beat by the first-place finisher, Taylor Reynolds, and that's how I finished second. Um, but I played some really tough people. I played uh, Julie Poultry. I played uh, Sierra Reams. I played some really tough people out there. Was this your first Junior Nationals that you'd played in? No, I went to Vegas last year and finished fourth. Um, and then I went to Louisville, Kentucky this year for my second Junior Nationals, and I finished second. That's a nice finish, considering it's your second event. Um, tell us what got you started in pool. Well, my parents used to work at like a local restaurant and bar area, 
And there always used to be, like, pool tables there and because they would work there all the time. And I would just go there and I would help them. And people started playing pool and they started asking me to play pool. And then I kind of got a knack for the game. And ever since, I've just loved it. Do you have family members that play? Yeah. Um, my mom plays, my dad plays, my sister plays, my brother plays, everybody, like my whole family. It's like a family event. We all do it. Well, that's cool. Um, besides Junior Nationals and playing with the family there at the, at the restaurant, uh, where else do you play? Do you play local tournaments? Do you play league? Yep, I play in a local tap league on Tuesday and Thursday nights. We travel around to all the local bars in, like, Catskill, Cairo, anywhere in there. Um, Tuesday night is 8-ball. I play on a team event. And Thursday night, I play on a team event, and we go. And at the end of the session, we have, like, the title holders. And if you qualify for the title holders and you win the title holders, you get a trip. So, like, this year, it's Dallas, Texas. Next year, it's going to be Nashville, Tennessee. And I won the trip last year and got to go to Chicago, Illinois, and my entire hotel room was paid for, um, my airfare, everything was covered. Is this a, a junior league or is it an open league? It's an open league. Um, there's only, like, there's me and one other girl, one other young girl that play in it, and the rest is all adults. And how do you, well, I mean, obviously you do well based on having won the, the trip to Chicago. Yeah, I've uh, I've won seven MVPs, which are like the best of your number. We all get skill levels two through seven. I'm a skill level five, so like the fours and the fives are grouped in one bracket, and I've won um, seven MVPs. What is it about pool? Because and let me let me start off with one of the things that people in the industry feel is hurting pool is that the youngsters and the young kids they have so much input coming in there's there's facebook there's video games there's so much and it's tough for pool to keep the attention of of some of the younger kids these days so what is it about pool that that does it for you the thing that I like the most about it is it allows me to go to many different places in the world that I wouldn't normally be able to go. It allows me to go to, like, Edison, New Jersey, Chicago, Illinois, South Carolina. It allows me to go to all these different places, and no matter how good you are, you can always improve. It's not like you're stuck at a certain spot. You can always get better. You can always improve, and that, that's what attracts me to it the most. And do you play on any of the regional tours? No, I don't play on any of the regional tours. Is that something that you aspire to do? Yeah, I definitely want to play on like uh, the big tours when I get like when I get really good. I hope like one day I can go professional and play against the best of the best. Well, and that was going to be one of my questions: what your what your plans are for the future? I, I know in the in the 18 and under girls division for the junior nationals, some of the winners of that have gone on to have careers in professional pools. So that is something that, that you hope to do? Yeah, I definitely would like to become a professional and be able to travel the world and go to all these different tournaments and be able to compete and place in these tournaments. 
Well, and speaking of traveling the world, that's kind of the reason that we're talking today. Uh, we're going to take a real short break, and then when we come back, uh, we'll talk about that. Welcome back, everybody. I'm talking to Rachel Lang this week. Rachel is the second-place finisher from the recent 18-and-under girls division at the Junior Nationals. And what really attracted my attention to Rachel is she has an invite to the Junior World Championship to be held in Shanghai, China. Can you tell us what that was like? Well, a couple weeks ago, I received a phone call from the Billiard Education Foundation and they um, they wanted me to come play in Shanghai, China, to represent our country. Now I'm one of the nine one of the nine people that got invited to go and represent our country. So I felt that that was really cool, and I was very excited. Well, and with good reason. But of course, along with that, along with that trip, there come expenses. So how are you hoping to to pay for this trip? Well, I'm doing a fundraiser September 13th at the B&B Lounge at 1 o'clock. It's $15 in advance, $20 at the door. So that's one way. I'm going to have 50-50s, raffles. I'm going to do a pool tournament. plan on doing that. I plan on doing, like, 50-50s each week around, like, my tap league. Um, And I also have an account on GoFundMe.com. If you go to GoFundMe and you type in my name, Rachel Lang, you just click um, Tap Junior represents United States and China, and you can donate that way. Um, that's How much do you figure you need to raise in order to make this trip happen? Um, well, right now I think I need to raise about five thousand dollars in order to go because the plane the plane tickets alone are like twelve hundred dollars, and the hotel room. Is going to be pretty expensive, um, plus passports and visas and shots. Shots are a big one. And how much of that is have you raised so far? Um, well, I've just started fundraising. Like as soon as I found out, like I said, I got the call like two or three weeks ago, and I've been fundraising. I probably have like a thousand dollars right now raised. And do you have any sponsors that are going to help? No, I'm currently looking for sponsors. Um, um, I was talking to some of them on Facebook about maybe possibly sponsoring me, but I haven't actually got any sponsors yet. For a prospective sponsor out there, uh, tell me, and really you're not telling me, you're telling them why they should sponsor you. I feel like I would definitely be a good person to represent their company. I am... A very, I have very good sportsmanship. I'm very, I'm a very good person. I feel like I would be a good sponsorship person. Okay. Um, now I noticed from your GoFundMe page you have a 3.5 GPA. Yes. Okay. So obviously school is important. Yes, yeah, school is very important. Um, I I hold uh, pretty pretty good grades all year, and 
that's definitely one of my major things because my parents tell me that if I don't keep my grades up, then pool's going to have to go, and I love pool too much to have to give it up. What are your plans school-wise after high school? Well, I'm going into my senior year this year at Capshaw High School, um, and then from there I plan on going to Hudson Valley School, and I'm hoping to become a dental hygienist. Okay. So a dental hygienist and a professional pool player on the side? Yeah. I mean, like, I definitely want to be a professional pool player. If I can become a professional pool player, then that's definitely what I want to do. But if that doesn't work out, then I definitely would like to have the backup plan of schooling and college. Definitely a good idea to have a backup plan. Okay, um, so GoFundMe.com, and they can type in Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L, Lang, L-A-N-G. Um, I see you've raised some money over there, and you're looking to raise $5,000. Uh, what kind of equipment do you play with? Um, well, I, I shoot with a McDermott pool cue, and my parents just, um, we just got a nine-foot diamond. We're getting it actually today, so that's. That's big because that's what we play on in all the big tournaments. So now I'll be able to practice on that because before the closest nine-foot diamond pool table was 45 minutes away, and I'd have to drive 45 minutes away just to get some practice on it. So Good deal. Okay. All right. Um, well, again, they can go, uh, people who are interested in helping, uh, B&B Lounge on September 13th, and that's in Catskill, New York at 1 p.m., or if you're not close to Catskill, New York, again, it's GoFundMe.com, and just look up Rachel Lang, right? Yep. All right. Well, Rachel, I wish you all the luck, and I hope to be hearing great things out of China with you representing the USA. Thank you. All right. Thanks for your time. Welcome to Q-Talk on American Periods Radio. This is Ricky Bryant, your host, and today I have Royce Bunnell with OBQs, and we're going to talk about how OB got started and, and what's new with OB. Royce, welcome aboard. Thank you, Ricky. Glad to be here. How, did, uh, how long has OBQs been around? About nine years. What got you guys started? Um, well, my business partner Don Owen and I, we met playing pool league. Um, I had dabbled in building some cues as a hobby for quite a while. Uh, Don, being the engineer that he is, um, had dabbled in trying to make different things in pool cues, and we got to talk with each other quite a bit about what we liked in pool cues and what we didn't like, what made them hit good, what didn't make them hit good, that kind of thing. And we just struck up a good relationship and one thing led to another and here we are. And that's the beginnings of the of the OB-1 shafts that we've seen around? The... Yes, actually we started with, uh, you know, our goal was to make a low deflection shaft, something that, you know, would be as compete or be better than anything else out there, something that would be different. Um, our first product was the OB-1. The OB for Owen and Bunnell, as Don Owen and Bunnell are the names, and then um, and it was our first one, so that's what we did. And I, I know after that we saw the OB-2, which was a uh, smaller 
I think 1175 shaft. Yeah, the OB-1 did well, and for as long as we were selling the OB-1 just all by itself, I mean, we had a lot of lot of interest, a lot of people liked it, but there were still those that wanted a smaller, thinner shaft. Um, so we sat down and went back to the drawing board and came up with a way to build a good one um, in the same concept as the OB-1, but just everything scaled down, uh, refined the taper, changed it up a little bit, came up with the OB-2, and it was a hit. It did, it did very well. It's still, still one of our best sellers. And the, and the OB shafts, the, the I should say the OB-1 and OB-2 are very unique in the ferrule design that you have there. That's part of the load deflection? Absolutely. You know, when you, when you start talking about trying to make a Q-shaft load deflection, what you're really trying to do is reduce tip-in mass. Uh, tip-in mass is the predominant factor in cue ball squirt or deflection. So to get rid of uh, get rid of excess weight and or mass in the tip end of the Q shaft, I mean you have to start with the heaviest things first, and the ferrule is typically the heaviest there is. Um, we had several different designs of, of ferrules and tenons using different materials uh, before we landed on the one design that, that we ended up using, which is um, layers of maple veneer, and each layer is clocked 45 degrees from the one below it, and they're built up in a stack and we core the ferrules out of that. Uh, it's a concept that's been used in other industries to laminate other things that, uh, that can be put together uh, to give incredible strength, and that's what it does. It's, it's really strong. And I would say probably, what, two to three years ago, y'all came out with the Pro-Line of shafts. Correct, the Pro-Line was probably about three years ago, maybe three and a half. Um, you know, again, kind of the same thing. For all the years we were selling the OB-1s and OB-2s, there were still a lot of people that wanted a different type of hit. The OB-1s and OB-2s are a softer, quieter hit um, and designed that way, built to be that way from, from the get-go. Uh, but there's still a lot of folks that wanted the little firmer, crisper hit, and the hit that made a little sound with it. So we decided to go ahead and, and build one. And we, um, we built a couple of different shafts, came up with a good design, and it's done really well as well. So it's, you know, it's uh, the, the good part about it is that we didn't really just take people that had already been playing with the OB-1 and OB-2 and switch them. It really brought a whole new client base to us. So we just added a lot of folks that, that weren't using our products before. And I know there's the, both, so there's basically four designs there that are in your catalog and available and, and will continue to be available, I would expect, because of the different ways people like to hit. And I've played with, with an OB-2 and I've played with, with a a pro, and uh, I think it's considered pro classic. Was no, it pro is correct. Pro, it's okay. Pro, right? And uh, they uh, they do have the different hit, and uh, depending on what I'm playing, what size table I'm playing, which which shaft I pull out. Sure. And uh, and y'all've made a, another improvement that's that's coming out this year. It, uh, you've shown me the shaft at, at another show before this, and it's the Pro Plus? Well, it's not Pro Plus. Pro Plus is okay. one of them. Okay. It's all of our shafts are now in a Plus model. So you have the OB-1 Plus, the OB-2 Plus, the Classic Plus, and the Pro Plus. So, I mean, basically what we've done is we've gone back to the core base or the, the, the core foundation of our shafts, and that's our blank, and we've reconstructed the blank. We've taken the flat laminated maple strips that were used in our previous construction and replaced them with solid maple strips. So we take six 
strips or squares of solid maple the length of the shaft long. We machine them into a crescent moon shape and in doing so we stress relieve them. We actually turn each one individually but between centers allowing us to relieve the stress in each individual segmented piece. And then we cut a notch in it, form them together in kind of a cloverleaf type configuration, pull them up and that makes our shaft blend. Probably the biggest thing to note about that construction, we call it SR6 for SR6 or, or stress relieve six segment construction. The biggest thing that we have about that is that each individual piece gets stress relief. There's just not any other real convenient or easy ways to stress relief pieces other than turning them round. And our blank is the only blank that's, that is built or constructed on round segments. So it's the only stress relief blank on the market. Well, I've hit with it, and I'm looking forward to having one in my case. That's, uh, I really like the feel of that one. The, the plus, which is uh, obviously the new shafts with solid maple as the core components as opposed to the laminated, um, the, the plus brings kind of a new element to the table for us. It, it brings a much cleaner look and a much smoother feel uh, because we don't have as many of the separate pieces uh, of the veneered wood, but also it adds a much more traditional feel of the hit. The hit has a little more ping to it, a little more sound to it. Um, it it's just much more like we're all used to with just a regular plain solid maple shaft, but it has all the performance characteristics of our other shafts, of our previous shafts, and then some. With the new design, we've been able to, to further increase our reduction in tip-in mass. Um, so we, I mean, compared to our original OB shafts, we're showing a 13% reduction in tip-in mass across the line. Well, I know my first OB2 probably 2009, and I know during that progression between that and the pro shaft that I added to, to uh, my arsenal of tools, uh, y'all started making cues completely, cue butts, and, and some nice pretty cues. Tell us about that progression. Absolutely. Well, when, when we first started to, to get into the queue side of things, I mean, it's not an unfamiliar territory for us. I mean, I've built queues for quite a while as a hobbyist. But when we got into building the shafts, we pretty much converted every piece of equipment and everything that we had over to building shafts. So we weren't really set up to build queues at the start. We went to Joss, and Dan James was happy enough to, uh, uh, to help us out and built a line of queues for us. It was called our J-Line. And excellent cues, very well-built quality cues. They got us off the ground and got us going in the queue side of things, and allowed us to have the time to go ahead and develop. <coughs> excuse me, go ahead and develop our equipment in our shop so that we could build cues in-house. Uh, a couple of years ago, we started with our 2012 and 2013 lines of cues. Um, the the we, we started with simple plain Jane style cues without any inlays. Uh, we wanted to kind of create or develop a signature uh, design element, and that's our stitch rings. Um, and we wanted to get the, the core function of the queue down to where we really liked it. Uh, we've got a, a core that runs all the way through the center of the queue. We do some, some really nice things engineering-wise in that respect um, to make the queue strong, straight, and stable. It's called a straight-line core, um, and, and it works really well. It's very strong, very straight, very stable. And y'all also make a brake cue. Yes, yeah, we, we've had a brake cue out for some time. It, it is going through a transition right now. We've currently discontinued the original OB brake cue. And we have a uh, new brake cue coming on 
that's um, it's called the, the Rift. Um, we named it that. Uh, Shane sent it. Our sales manager came up with the name for it, and it's stuck. Everybody likes it, so we're kind of looking forward to that. The Rift is an extension of our previous brake cube. The, the first brake cube, we went with a compound taper, and we're kind of different in the industry using a compound taper for the brake, but it really has some advantages. It makes the form of the cube much stronger and stiffer, so it helps you get through the wall. Uh, the Rift is a continuation of that. It's built on our straight line core, so it's very similar to our playing cues in that respect, but the taper is different, the look is different, we've got a rubber grip option that's coming out, and we also offer some choices with shafts for that cue. Well, let's take a break for, for a minute. This is Q-Talk on American Billiards Radio. Thank you and welcome back to Q-Talk on American Billiards Radio. I'm here with Royce Burnell, the B&OB, and we were talking about the brake cue when, when we went away. Royce, the, the shaft on it, I notice it's using the, the wood ferrule. Actually, there's two shafts for the new brake cue, the new Rift. Um, we're offering two options. It, it's kind of become our, our theme. We like to offer choices. Uh, you know, the choices in the styles of shafts and the sizes of shafts, as well as choices in the brake shaft. So we have two models. One is called the control brake shaft, and one is called the speed brake shaft. The control brake shaft is really fits in line with what we've always done and our previous brake shaft. It uses our laminated, patented maple ferrule. Uh, it uses a Samsara brake tip. It's 13 millimeter, and it's really intended for control. It, it's forgiving. It's low deflection. It helps the, the breaker who has trouble controlling the cue ball or trouble hitting the rack really square. It gives him some, a little more latitude, uh, a little more forgiveness if he misses the middle of the cue ball. The speed brake shaft, on the other hand, is for the guy that, or girl, that can hit the center of the cue ball with no problems and hit the front of the rack with no problems. And what they really want is speed. So it's all about speed. Less forgiving, but gives you more speed. Well, in talking about other progressions in your cues, I know at uh, Super Beards Expo this year, I saw your rollout of your jump cue. You've got, what, two, two different designs there in the jump cue? Yeah, yeah, two different designs in the jump cue. Again, kind of a choice. We have uh, just a standard jump cue. It's about 40 and a half inches long. I'm sorry, it's 41 inches long, so it's an inch over the, the legal minimum. It's a one-piece butt. It works very well. It's called the OB Lift. And then we have the Lift Pro, which is the same thing, but with a six inch extension. So you get uh, an 18 inch butt, gives you a little extra length, a little extra, a longer jump cue helps you line up a little bit better. I might watch the guys jumping with it. I'm not the best jumper, but they were, uh, they were hitting them good when I was over at the booth watching. I saw, saw one of uh, your sponsors pros, uh, Mike DeShane, jumping with it. Mike, between crushing them on the brake and jumping, Mike, Mike can do it about all of it. You know, Ricky, I mean, it's a good point to make. It, it, it's great to watch the, the best of the game showing their skills. Uh, it really is, and, and they are tremendously talented. The cool part about what we try to build in our products is that you don't have to be the best in the game to have success, to, to excel at, at playing the game. I'm not saying you're going to be a pro player, 
but we try to use products and build products that make it easy for people to progress. Well, I know it does for me. I know when I added the uh, pro shaft, I was out here in an amateur tournament, and I'd had my first loss and was not real happy, and uh, I came by the booth. I didn't hit more than three balls with, with the pro shaft, and I said, can, you, can we get one of these? I need it for my next match. Well, I went through three more matches before I finally got knocked out. I was, so it, I felt like it helped me. And it may have just been the confidence that I was back shooting with, with an OB shaft. But, but I, I felt like it, it had a nice crisp hit, and I liked the way it hit. Always liked playing with OB. And I do have some other shafts in my bag, but, but OB is, is always right there at the top of my list when so, I pick up one I play with. You know, it's what we're after. You know, I mean, we, we just try to do things that are different. Um, you know, we, we try to do things that that help people enjoy the game. I mean, it's, it's, about, it's about feeling confident and being able to, to play your best uh, and look your best. You know, our, our new Infinity inlays go right along with that line as well. So, um, you know, we just try to keep it fresh. Yeah, you've really got, a, got some beautiful uh, work on, on that, uh, that sample that you had here with, with the inlays. And looking at that, it's just it's unbelievable how you have going to have that put together and how it's going to going to increase your, your line of cues. The uh, pros, you've got uh, three people listed at the booth now, I believe, isn't it? Uh, you've got Mike Deshane and uh, Corey. We've got a whole stable. Uh, probably our, our biggest courses, biggest players are Mike Deshane, um, Corey Duell. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of others. So, can't let any of them out. We've, we've got some folks that play with our stuff that are just fantastic. So. I see a lot of people, and, and obviously it's, it's really easy to spot the, the uh, OB-1s and, and the original OB shafts with, with the maple. And uh, But I always look when somebody's rotating their cues, see if I see the OB logo down next yeah. to the joint, see if I can tell what they're playing with. Well, as more of the more of the butts get out with the Infinity Inlays design, and I mean they'll they'll be noticeable. I mean, yes. uh, Infinity just has a way to bring razor sharp points, razor sharp tips, and inlays uh, that just don't exist in production cues. They, right. They really are custom cues that get them production environments. Well, do y'all do any other sponsoring? You've got your pros that you sponsor. Do y'all have any type of tours or anything that? Well, I mean, obviously, we have the OBQ's Ladies Nine Ball Tour that we've had going on for, you know, far back as I can remember. Um, I was our first venture into sponsoring any kind of tour, but, uh, you know, the girls down there in Texas, they really do it good. They put on a great show. They really respect each other and respect the game. We're, we're very proud to be associated with them, always have been. Um, we do various other things. Um, Shane could probably, Shane Sinek could probably answer your questions a lot better than me because he's the one directly involved in, in the marketing side of things. But you know, we sponsored the Women's World 10 Ball in Manila. Um, we sponsored the Queen's Cup last year, um, which was over in Asia as well. Um, you know, we, we, we work to put our name out there in, in a lot of different things. I believe that um, we'll, we're looking to do the the trick shot show again and the challenge of champions again this year as we've done the last couple of years so well i know here at the bca pl uh 
national tournament, there's an invite-only pro event, and then there's three challenge matches that are going on, and uh, two of your stake horses are there in that challenge match with the Obi, and it's the Obi challenge match. We are sponsoring that challenge match, the OBQ's challenge. It'll be Mike Deshane and Corey Duell representing Team OB playing Scotch Devils 8-Ball against Efren Reyes and Francisco Bustamante. So, ought to be a really great match. That absolutely will be a great match. That just, just getting to watch those guys work together and trying to do Scotch Doubles, something that, that a lot of the league people do on a regular basis, is going to be a real eye-opener and, and I think probably if people watch it, it helped their game. It ought to be fun. Scotch Doubles, you either love each other or hate each other, so it'll be good to see what comes out of it. So. Well, Royce, is there anything else that you want to tell us about that's coming out or have we about covered everything for this, this time? I think we've probably covered most of it. I mean, just, you know, stay tuned, watch our website for new stuff coming out, and uh, if you get a chance to stop by a dealer and take a look at uh, some of the cues, uh, take a look at those inlets. They're really sharp. And any of you amateurs that are out to any of the amateur events in Vegas, Obi always has a booth out here. So, so they're always there, and, and you're available to go by and, and take some hits. I want to thank you for being with us, and this is another edition of Q Talk on American Billiards Radio. This, I didn't lose it all, there's two bucks left.